Live from the 93.7 The Ticket Studios in the heart of Lincoln, America, this is Inside the Huddle with Nebraska Football Hall of Famer, Jay Foreman. Fires a pass, and it's intercepted by the Huskers at the 25, Jay Foreman. And Foreman takes it down to the 19-yard line of Oklahoma. Another big play by the Blackshirts. On 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Sponsored by Advanced Medical Imaging. Welcome back. Another Inside the Huddle with Jay Foreman. Brought to you by uh, Advanced Medical Imaging. Again, uh, nice little, uh, not nice little, uh, rainy day this morning. Appreciate you guys getting up and listening to us. Uh, I want to appreciate or want to send my appreciation out to Advanced Medical Imaging, 7601 Pioneers Boulevard. Uh, look them up on social media and uh, feel free to go over there because they can help you with all your pain needs. So this is Jay Foreman with my man Harrison inside the huddle. Um, another week passed fully, uh, I guess, being able to process and uh, I always say to uh, uh, gurgitate the Northwestern situation. I think we're going to go into the linebacker breakdown uh, of, of the team. I think that's going to be the biggest thing besides the offensive line. You think really. that's the biggest strength or biggest no, problem? It's good. Well, not a problem, or but concern, it's a, maybe. a little bit of everything. Okay. Concern, not really a problem. But I think it's all predicated on health and, and continuity. And then mm-hmm. same thing with the offense line. I don't think – I mean, obviously a health thing, and their health is – see, I think it's totally different. Offensive line is getting them healthy enough back to play up to their – hopefully to their potential so they can gel. Linebacker is keeping guys healthy, mm-hmm. and then where does everybody fit in this three three five? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, and so, you know, it's – because I think that it in the three three five you're – three base linebackers, your outside guy, and kind of whatever you want to call it, the hybrid are the ones that I think make the, the defense go. Mm-hmm. It is. Versus like you want a 4-3 in a, in a blanket 3-4, you know, it starts up front. Now, granted, in this 3-3-5, it does start up front. But when you're putting multiple mid-size to some um, smaller-sized guys that are f- football players out there, your second level level has to be really, really good. And so if you look over time in the three three five, even back in San Diego State where Tony White got it, you know, got the idea. Well, first of all, he played in it, so that's where he got he got had his success and first idea or first uh, you know, glimpse of it. Over time the three three five is is a linebacker led defense. So if you look at San Diego State, you look at BYU when they had like a you know, Van Noy and those guys. Yep. Um and TCU, when they first burst on the scene a few years back in the Rose Bowl against Wisconsin, I think it was, and they had those linebackers that were putting in work. And then even TCU this year, the linebackers and hybrids and defensive backs. And, you know, and I know uh, I've talked to a former Eden Prairie alum that came in there as kind of a big corner, moved to safety. Now he's at a linebacker right now, and he's about 205, 210. So the, the evolution of their defense is predicated on speed, and guys that really live and do good things in the weight room, and they are a Big Twelve team. But to get a glimpse into a three three five, not in particular Tony White's, just to kind of get some background on it, I did that and talked to him about it. So I came to the conclusion that the linebackers is going to be a huge, uh, you know, deal, and and is going to be the the benchmark of if they play well, the defense generally play well because in order for them to be successful, they got to be extremely disciplined and physical mentally um 
you know, at another level when they play teams coming down the stretch. You think about Wisconsin and Iowa back-to-back you know, or even, you know, the first game of the season. You know, Minnesota's going to test all your principles. They're going to test your internal principles. Are you really willing to stay in the fight that long? Mm-hmm. And can you do it for three, four quarters, you know, with multiple running backs, a huge tight end for them, and they have extreme amount of depth at wide receiver now with a quarterback that's somewhat mobile and can throw. Um, so right out the gate, you just never know what you're going to get with Colorado. And then you play, you know, multifaceted different teams and they, they'll test you. You know, obviously Louisiana Tech, you're going to expect, expect them to pass it. Northern Illinois, you're going to expect like one back and kind of spread you out and try to hit you with some kind of Purdue kind of runs, right? Mm-hmm. Get on the edges, see if they can test your principles and your technique. So it's a big year for for that linebacker group and, and uh, Coach Dvorak and Coach White because he's a former linebacker. He's a defensive coordinator, so he's going to obviously want to make sure that they're, you know, up to snuff. And then um, I, I read an article last night. Um, they ranked these coaches. is like it's from zero to five, five being the worst, who's on the hot seat. It's pretty interesting. Obviously, Kirby Smart and, and uh, Nick Saban were zero. Matt Rule is a one. I think he's a zero. You just got here. Yeah. Um, and I think it's interesting because – you know, the Tennessee, um, you, you know, the decision on Tennessee came down. You know, they had to vacate 11 wins from 2019 and 20. Yep. Um, $8 million fine, which is essentially a slap on the wrist. But when you think of it, it just went right into this article of, like, who's on the hot seat, you know, based on those over 200 violations. Yeah, you know, I, that was it, the most it, they've ever added up right. to. Yeah, that's, that's, an that's pretty number. extensive. And then you get a slap on the wrist. You know, everybody in the Big Ten, uh, from Michael Wilbon and Desmond Howard, when Nebraska had their little deal with, with Scott Frost and the former analysts, thought we need to be kicked out of the Big Ten. You know, you don't hear them much talking about Tennessee needs to be kicked out of the SEC because I think this is business as usual. They're just dumb enough to get caught. But I think it's good to address that, obviously, and then, you know, look at some of the coaches that are on the hot seat, you know, and, and where they're at. And it's interesting how they go move forward. And, um, so, that, you know, as we get closer here, Harrison, the, the college football landscape is starting to heat up. You know, it's no more playtime. And I always talk about it during the week on Old School, uh, a few times here on Inside the Huddle, that after spring ball, you can kind of – and when you have a spring game now where it's it's a, it's more of a production and a thank you to the fans, I think it's kind of like – I don't know if you guys had it, when, you know, like a jamboree. You know, yeah. you know, we like so when I first moved to Minnesota and started getting up there on varsity, you know, they they had like a a lake conference jamboree. So it was like it seemed like twenty teams where you'd go and you'd play, you know, a quarter against one school. You know, then you'd go to the other side of the field and play, and you know, and it was kind of like and you'd have a pretty good crowds there because you'd have eight different you know schools there. So that's what the spring game is to me. It's kind of like a jamboree. Show you, hey, look. Harrison's got you know bigger, faster, stronger. Everything you've read or you know from about him online. Mm-hmm. This is where he's at. This is who's done well. This is you can kind of you know see that, but it's not a game. It's not. I mean, it's competitive, but very controlled, and as it should be, right? Um, but you can get caught up in that, mm-hmm. you know, because it's, it's kinda, like the summer league almost. Right. It, that's exactly mm-hmm. what it is. It, and it and that could be your kind of you go to you know, winter conditioning, spring ball, hard, kind of tapers off, and this is your payoff. And then you can be like, okay, well, I have arrived, or this is the way it should be. And then if you t- if you ride that wave of post-spring, 
you know, ecstasy or whatever, mm-hmm. that can lead into, well, you know, these some these other guys are really training hard, you know, and that's individually within your team and more importantly other teams where they're, you know, if you don't turn the page very quickly, um, you can get caught left behind. And then now as you get closer to the season, you have to realize this is, you know, all the fun and games are over. You know, dropping a pass in the spring, you know, means a lot, you know, especially if you're trying to – me and you are competing, you yeah. know. Um, but it's not as big as if I drop a pass on third and six and we need this first down to close out a game. You know, then you have to really evaluate where did that come from. Did I only catch 50 passes a day during the summer when I could have stayed an extra 20 minutes and catch 100? You know, did I – uh, missed workouts with the quarterback, you know, because I had other things and obligations to do because of, hey, I did good in spring. Every time they talk about the receivers, in this case, they're talking about Jay Foreman and Harrison. Mm-hmm. We're riding around thinking we got it under control, right? We're, you know, because, yeah. you know, again, even in Phil Steele's book that we have here, like sometimes, and I wouldn't say he's lazy, but you, you, you keep getting – articles retweeted and then you know your family and friends see it and so they can kind of get in your head and say it's like okay well you're just seeing your name in there they're going to assume that you're the top four you're going to play yep well there's guys coming up the pipe that have been working and if you haven't been working now pretty much the haze in the barn and this is where when you go to fall camp you know you might not be getting the same amount of reps as you got in the spring because you got to get ready for the season and minnesota game is going to come up very quickly and in particularly the the linebackers is going to be interesting because of it's really interesting to me because of I guess the seniority and the and the and the the couple years of production. Where is Nick Heinrich? Right. Mm-hmm. What has Luke Reimer done to become a better leader and find ways to kind of tweak his workouts to be healthy all season? Mm-hmm. And who's going to step up? Where's MJ Sherman going to play? Is he going to be off the ball? Is Jamari? But we saw Jamari Butler play a little bit in the middle. Who else is going to step? up? Is it Garrett Snodgrass? Is it somebody that hadn't really gotten a realistic chance before, or is it an incoming freshman like Fields or uh, Dylan Rogers? You know, are you able to get past the threshold of the complimentary four games? And I, what I call the complimentary four games is a freshman, which I would have loved to have. You know, you're a freshman. We can get you in the game, especially when we were playing or when I was there. You, you know, we're beating teams pretty bad. So you got a nice cushion to go in and get some reps. Yeah. Who cares if I, yeah. you know, not who cares, but you know, I'm, I'm getting that out of my system mm-hmm. and I'm not losing a red shirt year. I'm actually getting, again, a glimpse into my strengths, weaknesses, and I'm getting uh, playing time on a big stage. So if I make a huge leap after those four games, say I'm red shirted, when I come as a really a red shirt freshman, I'm three steps ahead versus like for me, I went, you know, for me in particular, I got here, me and coach Osborne decided I needed a red shirt, which I was more than happy. I think I led that conversation. That's the first time I ever led a conversation <laughs> with coach Osborne. Did I ever tell you this story? No, no, let's hear it's it. It's funny. So again, it, athletes and high school athletes have not changed from the test of time, at least from when I was here. And this is all I can only go up. Okay. Everybody comes, look, everybody, you come in, and we read all the articles about each other. Look, we didn't have any YouTube or anything like that. So you just think you're going off a you're going off the Omaha World Herald, right? Omaha got. World yeah. Herald. I think it was blue chips back then. You guys, and here's what my dad told me. He said, "Listen, kids from Florida. What do you say? Florida, California, Texas. They think they invented football in high school. 
they're always you know they think you know, i mean you can see it in the stadiums down south right like they they take it to that they think they to can, some credit they take it to another level yeah and, that's what and the a lot of those is. kids come ready because they yep. get to play year round but he's like they think that they're superior to you in football everybody's an all-american but it doesn't matter till you get here so the conversation as freshmen now mind you nebraska just got hosed against florida state mm-hmm. tommy frazier and lawrence phillips and the everybody on defense is coming back here we are as some freshmen coming from high school. Now, Grant, granted, Grant Wishton was ready. Yeah. Right? You could tell. He was the he was a USA Today, I think, defensive player of the year. Mm-hmm. So that was the big deal then, right? Um, so you kind of assumed that he was going to come to Nebraska and play, not start, because he wasn't better than Dwayne Harrison and Dante Jones. Um, so, we, you know, and everybody's talking about, you know, who's good, you know, where you fit in, how many reps you get in, you know, and you know, so forth and so on. And, you know, you know, everybody's like, I want to play as a freshman. Man, listen, I saw Christian Peter and Troy Dumas, and I had not never lifted a weight. You know what I'm saying? I yeah. like, I could play football now, right? Yeah. I could play football. That's one thing I could, like, I, I was a running back in high school, played a couple games of safety. That's how I got recruited. And Coach Darlington didn't think I was going to be good enough. Well, we had recruited safeties that, that from high school, from, like, we had Trey Creighton. Eric Warfield was a prop. But then Octavius McFarland, you know, we had and, and you know we had some, you know, he kind of you know filled his allotment of defensive backs and corners, and I was kind of an athlete, and he was, you know, and they had some, you know, Mike Minner and all those guys already, so I would have been just, you know, I, I would have made my way in there. I think I would have done fine. Well, then they, Coach Steele didn't have anybody to coach, so he moved me a linebacker. You know, <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? I'm like, hey, I'm getting one on one coaching. I watched enough of uh, Dick Buckus on uh, you know you know highlight tapes and in Jack Lambert. I could do it. I threw my I used to throw my pillow up and go tackle my pillows. I could do it, you know. And I've and I was a hitter in, in yeah. high school and I could run and hit and I knew the game, you know, and because I've watched football and not to not. I mean, I've, I've watched. NFL, I mean, I used to watch football all day and night. So, so. that's really how it happened for you. That's how yeah. You and then uh, that's how I was just by luck. Well, f- well, first of all, let's peel this thing back. Okay. I could, you know, Coach Osmond was like, I like you at running back. But Jay Foreman didn't like when I, what I did like. I saw Lawrence Phillips and I saw myself, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I was like, yeah, he a freshman. He ain't going nowhere because that's a bad dude, right? And then I was like, they got some other dudes. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, you know, I'm fast, but. You read the room. Is yeah, what yeah. I saw it like. on live. I was like, yeah. yeah. Uh, it, it'd be four years before I'd be ready to do that, right? <laughs> I think I, that's what players need, though. Because I was a, di- but I was a different type of running back, though. Then Lawrence was next level, you know. Um, you know, when he left college, he was two thirty, ran like a four three flat. Mm-hmm. You know, he would look at weights, and you know what I mean. It was just <laughs> totally different, right? Just way superior athlete, and I was fine with that. Mm-hmm. And then Coach Brown was like, "Hey, man, you know, you can score because I, you know, in my offense, we had a running back that went to Michigan State, and the quarterback went to Michigan, and then I was, I was the running back." But if we ever needed to score, they put me out receiver. He's like, I like you at receiver. And I looked at it, you know, looked at the, you know, Phil Steele book or their, you know, media guy. And Abdul Muhammad and Corey Dixon <laughs> led the team with like 32 receptions and like 20. Yeah. Bruh, I grew up watching Miami and Florida State and Notre Dame. That's like the tight ends numbers. Yeah. And so, you know, they doing a lot of cut blocking. And I was like, Pretty much, I was like, Jay Foreman too pretty to be doing that, man. That's a waste of time. 
So then I moved to defense, and Coach Steele was there, didn't have anybody to coach. And he coached me as a Sam linebacker, which is an outside linebacker, mm-hmm. and then the rest is history. But back to the story is that a lot of freshmen, even back then, were worried about if they were going to play it as freshmen. Me, me and my dad have frank conversations. I played basketball all summer. And, I mean, I did full, I did went to one football camp. But I played basketball. I love football, and I, and I could roll out of bed and dominate in football, or you know, be a obviously Division One yeah. fo- football player. Um, but I never lifted weights. It wasn't a big deal back then. And you and back then it was like if you lifted weights, it mess up your shot. You know, so. So was that an eye opener when you got to Nebraska? Because no Osborne really got that weightlifting right. well, program. Humming. They had, they had sent us a weight program. Okay, so you did have do. one in the summer to work on. I didn't do it though. <laughs> okay, you know what I'm saying. I got it, and I was like, man, I ain't lifting no – my whole thing is, like, I told Coach Osmond, like, this is natural. <laughs> Jay Former don't need no weights, right? That's not, right. I'd laugh. There's some guys that actually get away with it, though, that are right. different. But I was dumb enough to really think I could. <laughs> and the reality hit me is when I saw the, the varsity report, and I was like, oh. <laughs> yeah. Hey, and here's the funny thing about it. So I'm a, my one thing my, my uncle and, and my grandfather was alive at the time, and, and my dad was like, listen – your last name is Foreman. You ain't backing down from nobody, period. Mm-hmm. I don't care if you ever play. So I'm coming in and I'm gonna play hard. That's number one, and I'm gonna do. And I, you know, you're lucky enough if you know football, and and I could kind of get a beat on things. You know, you're out making plays, and so <laughs> we had our scrimmage. You know, first kind of big scrimmage. Mm-hmm. Went out there, man, and uh, you know, I was active i had like you know like 14 tackles 14 factors because coach samuel did a thing of a factor sheet you know per play you know mm-hmm. so the percentage was high but i was exhausted after that and i knew going back to the dorms you know even though i made plays i was like i'm not physically ready you know what i mean to do it mentally i knew it what i was but you're feeling you know, it physically. Physically, I was way behind because I would get off blocks, but it would be like I wasn't getting off blocks clean. You know okay, what I mean? Yeah. I wasn't the strength wasn't there, the stamina wasn't there. So, Coach Osborne, I'll never forget where it's kind of like you break camp, and then you're still practicing hard. Of course, with Coach Osborne, you're still mm-hmm. kind of into a day mode, but it's a little bit less. And he would he did it. I'm assuming he did it with every go and kind of talk to you and kind of feel where you're at because his thing is if you. He he! If you really wanted to play as a freshman, I'm sure they would do it, or maybe I don't know. I mean, I didn't have it. And he came up to me. He's like, "Look, you've done well enough on special teams and defense to, you know, play." He's like, and you know, you know, kept going. He's going in the spiel, and he was. I'm assuming he was going to get to the red shirt. So let's coach. I need the red shirt. Let's keep this conversation real quick. I'm cool with red shirting. <laughs> I appreciate this conversation. <laughs> There's probably about 20 other freshmen you talk to. I've already talked to it with my dad. I because there was no re, there was no upside for me to play. Mm-hmm. Um, I got a ton of work in practice. I got way more reps. Like I think I, that's what helped me start as a freshman. I went against Lawrence Phillips every day for a whole year, and we practiced hard versus getting a rep or two on defense and then forcing me in there and then waiting to see if I get in against some scrubs. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, um, but. Again, there's there's freshmen right now on the roster that probably think they need to play and they're just not ready, and that's the way it is because um, even though Nebraska was four eight last year, um, it's a big step up from high school, and and it's a big step up for some guys that were left over from the team 
to the amount of work and expectations that they were getting to before. So everybody's on an pl- even playing field. And as you get closer to camp, the sphincter muscle starts to get tighter. Mm-hmm. And the reality starts to become – it's like the walls start cl- closing in on you. I think that running back room is going to get – because that, that room's kind of been – Who's been that guy? Right, and, and who it's is going to be a lot of turnover. Right. And, I mean, you, there's a lot of names in there. I don't think anyone's too certain. So that room for a group of guys that the sphincter is getting tight, mm. that's a group right there that I, I'm it's, almost it, positive they're still looking for it, that guy. Yeah, well, and there's other – well, the stipulations are, 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 are different as mm-hmm. well. And we'll get a little bit in, that, in the, here in a second saying we've got three more minutes. And it's no different than the linebacker room, right? When you think about it, it is. It's, two, it's the second level of the offense, second level of the defense. It's yep. all the same, right? Injuries, right? So when you look at it, okay, so if you just want to go person for person, Anthony Grant is the holdover and your most productive player. I think he was third team all Big Ten. Maybe. Yeah, third team. Okay. And then you got Luke Reimer, mm-hmm. your holdover, most productive player, third team all Big Ten. Apples to apples, right? Yep. Even exchange. Then the second guy is Gabe Irvin, injury prone, coming off, not injury prone, but coming off an uh, injury, had a good off season. What's he going to be able to do? Is he going to answer the bell? Nick Heinrich, mm-hmm. okay, coming off an injury. Or if you want to throw an MJ Sherman in there, a prove-it year. Prove-it year for for Gabe, prove-it year for MJ getting a you know, a realistic chance. Then you got Ramir. You can say him and Nick. Then you can just go down, you know, Emmett Johnson. What are we going to get from him? That could be like a like is that a is that a Gifford or is that a Javen Wright? You know, kind of like a the Swiss Army knife type right. of guy. You know, so can he step up into a bigger role? What game will he be a big factor in? So they they're a replication of each other. So nobody should feel comfortable sitting down. Now, I mean, granted, Luke Reimer and Nick and and MJ Sherman and uh, Anthony Grant and maybe Gabe Irvin should sit down and say, as long as I handle my business, I'm gonna be playing. Which yeah, I think it's theirs to lose at this point. But yeah. you still want to see that but development. Y- they shouldn't be thinking that they arrived. They're not Blake Corum. It's a good answer. Yeah. They're not Blake Corum or Edwards. Right? They're not Henderson at mm-hmm. Ohio State. They're not the two running backs from Penn State, Singleton and all those guys. They're just not. And they're and they're that doesn't mean they they can't be as good as they're just not as cemented as them because the situations are different. It's a new coach, a new coaching staff, a new running back coach, a new coaching staff. New offense and new expectations. Mm-hmm. So it, it's it's uh it, it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, it should be very very competitive. Uh, it should be way more intense when they get into camp. Um, because if the expectations have changed internally, that means within themselves, it should come out in how they have prepared and how they play. If there's if they are choosing to go around the same same like practice habits X Y and Z you'll start to hear that some of these guys are getting caught up. They're getting bypassed. And you're like, how? How does so-and-so that's been playing for two years, you know, Harrison's playing the same amount of reps or, you know, like series, just say defense is him. Well, it'll be because they haven't raised their expectations, which is then leads to their work and then their practice habits. And then if your practice habits and work hasn't raised and everybody else is, then you look at just like, oh, you got bypassed. Mm-hmm. Well, no, you just kept doing the same thing and you're just getting by. And those guys will. I would, they, there's an old saying. I'll say this before we go to break. The get by, get by guys, just getting by. They usually get left, and they usually get cut. <laughs> that's, what, that's what it was. And, you know, because listen, when I came in as a as a rookie, Bruce Smith is like, hey, one of the things is, you know, when you know, if you want to make this team, don't be a get by guy. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what does that mean? He's like, just getting by, do more. 
He's like, you're not me. And he was very frank. He looked, I mean, literally, I, this locker was right. I was in between him and Thurman. And he's like, hey, you want to learn how to make it? And Thurman would be sitting there. He's like, don't be a get-by guy. You know how many guys have been here just with trying to get by? I'm having. He's like, I have this conversation with every pretty much rookie that's here. Don't be a guy that's just getting by. And I, once he told me that, I was like, I was never le- I never left the facility. Oh, it clicked after that. Yeah. I was like, well, because I want to be here. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it's, it's leadership. I mean, that's probably the one and only times that he talked to me besides for me to help, you know, <laughs> keep the money on the plane, you know, for when they're playing Blu-ray or some game back in the back. <laughs> but it was a good lesson. Yeah. And I appreciate it. I never forgot it. So uh, first good segment, Inside the Huddle, again, brought to you by Advanced Medical Imaging. Uh, we're going to go to a quick break. We're going to dive into a little bit more of the uh, Tennessee and recap the Northwestern, and then we'll dive into some uh, running back room and linebacker room, some more. Uh, Jay Foreman, Harrison, we'll be right back.